1: ProPublica's Alec McGillis just got back from a road trip to Ohio. Like a lot of journalists, he was there to puzzle out the Senate race that's going on.
2: To me, it was really the most compelling race of the cycle.
1: There's a lot Alec could have honed in on here. The Republican candidate, J.D. Vance, is a celebrity author. He's evolved into an enthusiastic MAGA proselytizer on the stump. And he's gotten plenty of attention. But Alec was there to tell the story of the Democratic candidate, Congressman Tim Ryan.
2: The fact is that he has made it much closer than expected.
1: To answer why Tim Ryan's doing so well, let's start with what a singular candidate he is. Alec describes him as the embodiment of clear eyes, full heart, can't lose. And that's not just because Tim Ryan was a college football quarterback. Ryan has also written a whole book on mindfulness.
2: I listened to it on my way over the mountains to Ohio, and it was, it was incredible. Just this whole long book about, about all the things that mindfulness has done for him and how he thinks that it's really the cure for our, our sort of toxic, divisive politics of today.
1: And then there are Ryan's political ideas, what Alec thinks of as his special sauce. Because Tim Ryan does not sound like a typical Democrat. He talks about tightening up the border. He talks about pushing back on China and ramping up American manufacturing.
2: But he also talks a lot about the need for Democrats to avoid, you know, what he calls culture war issues. That, that one the Democrats' big problem in his mind is that they were supposed to be the party of working people. Working people saw their jobs vanishing, going, to, going overseas. And then the party that they thought was supposed to represent them was instead talking about all these other issues.
1: All this excites Alec. Driving around Ohio, though, Alec wondered if the Democratic Party had Tim Ryan's back.
2: The fact is that the party is not actually, even as he is so outperforming expectations in Ohio, the party is not actually spending on his race. They're spending on other Senate races, but not on his. They clearly think he just has too too much of a gap to make up in a state that Trump won by eight points.
1: Today on the show, win or lose, Tim Ryan's race could point a way forward for the Democratic Party, but only if they follow his lead. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 US-based live customer service Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Congressman Tim Ryan is an Ohio native, grew up in the Mahoning River Valley which is near Youngstown. He was the grandson of steelworkers. So Alec McGillis says he had this firsthand perspective on global events, like the signing of the North American Free Trade Agreement, or China joining the World Trade Organization.
2: That produced in places like the Mahoning Valley, what um, I think David Autor, the MIT economist, calls the China shock. There was just this incredibly concentrated devastation in manufacturing areas that While, while so much of the rest of the country was able to just sort of enjoy the benefits of, you know, cheaper goods coming from overseas, you had this um, just wrenching dislocation in places like the Mahoning Valley, places that had already had, of course, already gone through quite a bit of decline. You know, in the seventies and eighties, deindustrialization and all that, a lot of steel mills shutting down years ago. But then, on top of that, came this just incredibly dramatic additional loss that happened. In the first decade of the century, um, Ohio as a whole lost one fifth of their manufacturing businesses shut down in the first decade of the century.
1: Yeah, you quote the statistic that by 2010, the population of Youngstown had fallen 60% from its peak in 1930, which is just, it's massive.
2: It is. I mean, I, and I, you know, I think a lot of people who live in wealthier, prosperous parts of the country get kind of tired about hearing about, you know, Rust Belt Woe and all that. But the fact is that unless you go to these places it's hard to imagine just how just how wrenching the loss and the dislocation and the the devastation has been and it's really really heartbreaking and this is what people like Tim Ryan have been living with for their whole life.
1: I first really became aware of Tim Ryan as a congressman a few years back and that was because he ran this outsider campaign to lead the Democrats in the House we need to
3: make a change. We can't keep running the same plays, Chris. We're not winning. And winners win, and we need to put leaders in place that are going to give us an opportunity to win the House back. We're down 60 some seats since 2010. We have the smallest
1: And I'd say that no one really thinks it's very practical to run against Nancy Pelosi, which is what he was doing, and he did lose that race. So can you explain why he did that?
2: Well, this this was in 2016 right after Trump won and my sense is that Tim Ryan understood why this had happened, understood that Trump's victory, which was all about winning in the Midwest, I and mean, that's why Trump won. He won only because he managed to eke out those narrow victories in in Michigan and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. And people like Ryan realized how much of this was rooted in that regional resentment and that the party had failed to reckon with that, that resentment, the resentment over the regional decline. And that there needed to be there needed to be a reckoning, and for him, the way to to sort of try to draw attention to that was to run this long shot campaign to replace Pelosi. At the time, she was not the speaker. This was just to be the minority leader in the House. Um, but yes, and it went nowhere. As as did his later t- um, run for president in uh, 2020, which also went nowhere.
1: Bottom line: Tim Ryan has always had something of an adversarial relationship with Democratic leadership. And when he announced he was running for the Senate, the response was sort of like a shrug. Party leaders weren't opposed to his long-shot campaign. They just knew it would not be easy.
2: I think the, the fact is the National Party never saw themselves as having much of a chance to win the seat. And so, you know, it might as well be that guy who's been kind of hassling us for a while about, you know, talking about, you know, his people in Ohio. And so let him run, give it a shot, sure. But there was never much seemingly never not much intention of, of making a serious bid to help him, which we're seeing now down to the wire where he has managed to make it a much closer race than expected and is nonetheless not getting the kind of help that he, he wanted to um, from the National Party.
1: I want to spend some time talking about the way Tim Ryan presents himself on the stump and in ads. He avoids the word Democrat, unless he's being negative, is my understanding. He's got a bright red campaign bus. And he does this thing where he talks about Americans first, which is a two-letter modification of America first. What do you make of that?
2: This is how he thinks he needs to run to, to win a state that, that has drifted away from the Democrats. And he is he's very much presenting himself as, as a kind of everyman American suburban guy that his opening ad uh sort of int- introductory campaign video is really kind of comical almost and it's every man this it's really just shows him getting in this big suv from his suburban house you know somewhere in in northeast ohio and heading off with his his little boy uh his son and they kind of go driving around um, the area and he's pointing out different things to him from where he, when he grew up
3: i want to show you something so this is where my grandma and grandpa used to live. That's where we used to have family dinners every Sunday. Sunday family dinners need more than just good food. They require jobs and a quality of life. They keep generations together. that give our kids a reason to stay and raise their own family here.
1: So this is where we
2: played. Dad? And you really would almost never even know that this was a, a campaign ad. Certainly not a camp- campaign ad from a Democrat. If you were to guess, you know what party is this guy in this you know this white middle-aged suburban guy in an SUV these days you would guess that guy's probably a republican but he's not he's a democrat and so yes this is this is how he's presenting himself in this very benign middle of the road almost kind of milk toast way the, he, there's also the other funny thing about his presentation is the is it even just is just the fashion he dresses down the shirts untucked very often the the shirt's actually often unbuttoned at the top, several buttons down. Um,
1: and one reporter noticed that he wore like a dropkick Murphys T-shirt to a union hall. There. Yes. <laughs> you know It's like he's he's just always putting it out there where he's coming from.
2: Yeah. When there's a this is actually the opposition is kind of taking to making fun of this presentation. His. There's a strategist who was helping run one of the, the PACs that, that was spending money on J.D. Vance's behalf. And he's now taken on Twitter to to mocking what he calls Ryan's divorced dad look. So that, that's the whole <laughs> joke that he's now just he looks like this kind of hapless divorced dad kind of dressing down all around Ohio. But no, this is this is clearly what he thinks works to make him seem much more, you know, sort of a accessible, approachable guy than that sort of snooty coastal Democrat with the the fancy glasses that has come, I think, for many Midwesterners to, to seem like the sort of image of the Democratic Party.
1: Well, it's not all presentational, right? Because he's had an evolution a little bit as a politician. In the early days, reproductive rights were really not front of mind for him. He had an A rating from the NRA. Have those things changed as his party's changed?
2: Yes, he has shifted on those issues, but he remains he definitely prefers still not to talk about them too much, which has been tr- a little, little bit tricky for him this cycle because abortion has, of course, become a huge issue. And he talks about it just, to some extent. He refers to the the Dobbs decision being what he calls the you know, greatest overreach um, into personal lives you know, ever by, by the court. But he, he's clearly more comfortable still talking about the economic stuff.
1: Hmm. Earlier in the campaign... Tim Ryan ran this ad that got him into some hot water. And I think it's worth talking about a bit because it shows Ryan's point of view really well, I think, and and also how his messaging is pretty different from the rest of the Democratic Party and why. I'm wondering if you could just start off by describing the ad. It's about China and American competition with China. So what does he say in this ad?
2: It's just Tim Ryan just over and over and over again in the, in the both the, you know, 30 and 60 second version of the ad talking about how china is the problem and china is just dominating us trying china is beating us china is um is basically kicking our ass and we need to step up and stop this and we need to bring the manufacturing back to ohio back to the u.s and confront the economic threat posed by the Chinese giant.
3: China. It's definitely China. One word, China. It is us versus China and instead of taking them on, Washington's wasting our time on stupid fights, stupid fights. They promise us higher wages and lower prices and instead we got pink slips and now price increases. China's winning. China's winning,
2: workers. Yeah, and you are see him workers delivering workers the message in different contexts in front of different groups of workers, but it's just that this hammering of that of that same Anti anti China message and coming from a Democrat, it was very striking, and and it, it it was the very first ad that he ran of the campaign, made, making it very clear that this was something he cared about. This
1: is his platform.
2: This was his platform exactly, and and it really it, it caused an immediate backlash among various Asian American groups and a few Asian American politicians who, you know, basically. Saw it as as xenophobic and as kind of heightening the climate, the anti Asian climate that has been swirling around the last few years amid this you know awful spate of attacks on on Asian Americans in American cities. And so there was a real uproar about it back in the spring when it came out. But Ryan has stood by the ad.
1: Yeah, hmm. you had this interesting moment in your reporting where you followed Ryan as he met with Asian American voters and spoke to them in the wake of this ad being out there. Can you just tell me how that meeting went?
2: It was really something to see. I mean, it just so happened that that when I was there, there was this event organized outside Columbus with various local Asian American groups. And there were maybe 40 or 50 people there. And he started off with his usual stump speech, but then came time for questions. And most of the questions were about the ad. And various people in the room got up to say, you know, that they had taken great offense at the ad and had been really bothered by it. And what did he have to say for himself?
1: Did he back down at all?
2: He did not. It was really, I, I thought he was going to. I kind of assumed that that was the point of the event, in a sense, to give him a venue for some sort of apology. But he didn't. He was, he was very conciliatory in his tone. But he basically said to them, I stand by the ad. The, the fact is that I'm not talking about Asian people. I'm not talking about Chinese people. I'm talking about the Chinese government. I'm talking about the communist Chinese government that has just has been devastating places like my hometown, my home region. And Ryan basically just stuck to his guns and said, "Look, um, all I can say is I," and he said it several times. "I love you. I do not want any harm to come to you. I will protect you." But the fact is that this, these things need to be said. That the threat from China has become, you know, a real. A huge issue for places like this state, and and we need to we need to reckon with that, and we need to push back, and that's how it ended. He just was not going to. He came to this event, but he was not going to to back down from the substance of his message.
1: Yeah, you know, in your telling, when I read your reporting about all this, I got the idea that this story to you was a story about how. Democrats can get tangled up in identity politics like cats with some string. Is that was that going through your mind as you sort of teased out the story of this ad and how people reacted to it?
2: Oh, definitely. I mean, that's his overarching kind of message for the party is that one reason that the party has been losing so much ground in places like Ohio is that it has gotten too tangled up in those strings. I know someone who's a democratic strategist in the Midwest who warns about the, the problem of of what she calls pronoun progressives and and that, that pronoun progressives are are not connecting with a lot of voters in, in, in the Midwest and that if the Democrats want to um, win back some territory in the Midwest, which they need to if they ever want to hold the Senate again, much less, you know, win win the White House, that they need to look for candidates who are not pronoun progressives and and who are speaking more to the core economic issues the way that Tim Ryan is.
1: Yeah. I wonder if this ever gets more complicated for you or maybe for your that political strategist. Because like there's another Tim Ryan ad that's run and it shows a bunch of Fox News hosts including Tucker Carlson not quite endorsing Tim Ryan. But coming pretty close, basically saying like you're an okay guy, <laughs> you have some interesting ideas. Uh,
4: Congressman Ryan,
1: you've been a jobs
4: creator, you've been tough on China.
5: You on the stump and you talk bread and butter
3: issues, economy, kitchen table issues. Tim Ryan, somebody who is obviously pitching some of the more moderate ideas. Watch for example what happened when Congressman Tim Ryan tried to remind his fellow Democrats that most Americans don't actually support open borders. Well,
1: And I guess I wonder if you're telling voters I'm a decent guy because this guy on Fox News who spouts racist ideas thinks I'm okay, is that dancing on a line that we all need to be a little bit sensitive about?
2: Well, there's no question Tim Ryan is dancing on thin lines. And it's hard to see, you know, how it could be any other way. Again, if you're running as a Democrat in a state that your party has lost by eight points twice in a row, you're going to have to to try to win back at least some people. And I know a lot of people, a lot of Democrats, a lot of liberals get very, very frustrated with this talk of, of the, the Midwestern voter, the the white working class voter, um, you know, this the Trump diner stories. And the fact is, though, that it's unavoidable, that the math just doesn't work out. The party is not going to have any kind of lasting majority in the Senate or manage to to win presidential elections if it's getting absolutely crushed among white voters without college degrees. You just can't, you can't lose by 25, 30 points with that large segment of the, of the American population and hope to win elections. And what Obama showed was that despite his you know unusual profile as a candidate, that he was able to win quite a few of those voters. Not all of them by any means, but enough to win. And that you just have to limit, you have to limit the damage, you have to limit the losses. And, and that's what Tim Ryan's trying to do also is, is just get back just enough of them to win.
1: We'll be right back.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify.
5: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Group void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: So let's talk about where this race stands now. We've got just a few days until the election. So what do the polls say about Tim Ryan's chances here?
2: Right now, it looks like Vance is up a few points.
1: J.D. Vance is his Republican opponent.
2: Right. And so it looks like, you know, it's definitely still, it's still a reach, but almost certainly you know, he's going to be, it's going to be a much closer outcome than anyone expected going into a race in a year, not just in a state that Trump had won twice by eight points, but in the year that is shaping up to be such a rough year for, for the Democrats, a midterm year um, with, with such anger and concern about inflation, and that the fact that he's managing, has managed to keep it this close is absolutely, you know, sending some kind of message about how the Democrats might hope to do better in the Midwest in the future.
1: Some have pointed out that even if he loses, in a way, Tim Ryan has won. And that's because, as he surged in the polls, Republicans have run up quite a tab trying to make sure they keep an Ohio Senate seat. Essentially, Ryan's created a financial sinkhole for the GOP. But Alec thinks there are bigger lessons here, that the relative success of Tim Ryan's campaign is a model Democrats ignore at their own peril. A couple of states over in Wisconsin is a very different Senate race that provides a counterfactual. There, a progressive Democratic candidate named Mandela Barnes is trailing the Republican by a wide margin.
2: There was a political uh, a conference in, in New York among left of center folks, and Barney Frank, the former Massachusetts congressman, was there in the audience, and he got up and and almost without prompting, actually started criticizing. The Barnes campaign in Wisconsin, and, and and talking about the fact that this was a lost opportunity to pick up that very crucial seat in the Senate, and I've and, and I've definitely heard it from other quarters as well. You know, in that in that case in that state, the party decided to go with you know someone who's definitely you know very you know appealing young young man, uh, Mandela Barnes, who's, but who's who fits very much more into the liberal progressive um, mode of the party than than does a Tim Ryan. Now that one sees how much the Republicans managed to go after Barnes in Wisconsin for some of his past liberal progressive stances, one can't help but wonder if if the party would have had a better chance with someone in the Ryan lane.
1: You've written that after years of being overlooked, Tim Ryan is pointing his party towards a path to recovery in the Midwest. But I wonder if that's true even if Tim Ryan loses. Do you think so?
2: Absolutely. Um, the fact that he has managed that Ryan has managed to so outperform expectations this year in this race that the Democrats weren't supposed to have a chance in, really does to me suggest that he's showing how it could be done in the future. What the Democrats have to realize, and I think some of them are are starting to, starting blatantly to to sort of wake up to this with alarm, is that they're not just doing really terribly with white voters without college degrees, um, which is what we always dwell on. But they're also, in in, in the last election, Trump managed to, even as he lost in the end, Trump managed to do better than he had four years earlier with working class black and Hispanic voters. And as the Democrats have become so much the party of highly educated middle-upper middle-class professionals, they have definitely been losing ground with voters without college degrees across race and ethnicity. And that a, that's a, has to be a huge concern for the party. And Ryan is trying to show them you know, how they can try to make up some of that ground before it's too late.
1: Alec McGillis, I'm really grateful for your time and your reporting. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Alec McGillis covers politics and government at ProPublica. Oh, and if you heard that reference to the Dropkick Murphys and thought, who? This is them. They are a Celtic punk band with a soft spot for re-recording old Union songs. All right, that's the show. If you're a fan of What Next, the best way to support us is to join Slate+. Plus. The way to do it is to go on over to slate.com slash whatnextplus and sign up. What Next is produced by Elena Schwartz, Carmel Delshad, and Madeline Ducharme. We are getting a ton of support right now from Anna Phillips and Jared Downing, along with Victoria Dominguez and Colton Salas. We are led by Alicia Montgomery and Joanne Levine, and I'm Mary Harris. We'll be back in this feed bright and early tomorrow. Catch you then.